I thought about this in first service, and I, I thought I'd share it with again, but uh, as you set the, the, the tone for any kind of a worship service, you want to be able to, uh, well, I guess I want to say this carefully, but you want to really kind of know your audience. And so sometimes we have, uh, I like to do a call to worship. That's always the way I like to start something big, calls you to worship, wakes you up a little bit, kind of do some upbeat songs, and then you do a little more thought-provoking songs, get people kind of kind of thinking about when the message comes. And I did youth camps for 28 years, and, and we had, uh, oh, we had a lot of fun. Some nights we'd have 500 people packed in this little tiny room, and, and I remember I had, uh, I had different speakers come uh, every year, and, and one year I had the illustrious Brad Smith come and speak for us, and Brad said to me, John, let's try something different tonight. He said, let's try, uh, hey, let's just, let's just pump this group up and get them just excited so when I step up into the, the, the time to speak, they're just going to be, they can't wait to hear it. So we, we just brought the house down. I mean, I had a chance to lead worship in those days. And when Brad got up to speak, nobody quit talking. It's like the whole high school, everybody, they're just going, ah! When we got done with that, Brad came to me and said, never do that again. So that's kind of our purpose this morning. We kind of wanted to bring you up so, you know, if you're kind of, ah, that was a good song to, to finish on. There was another song we sang today that I kind of thought was interesting. The line might have zipped right by it. It was our first song, and it said, I will not complain. Anybody catch that one in the first song we sang? You sang it. Did you mean it? It's raining out. We set a record today for rainfall in the month of September. Uh, I've got an outdoor wedding this afternoon. Yeah, can't wait. Didn't bring an umbrella, but I'm okay. I won't shrink. We're working through a series for the next seven weeks about unshakable hope. And as I speak about this this morning, I want you to think with me, this series excites me because I believe that sometimes as believers and as people, we get stuck in a rut. And when we're in that rut, we just, we just kind of do the things that you always hear people say, well, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. You know, that's, that's the... the the deck that I've been dealt with, and, and, and I've been dealt in life. And we just begin to accept who we are, and as we look at this series that Max Lucado put out, we see that, that one of the things that we do not need to settle for is just this normal, kind of discouraged routine that we live in. Now, if we had time this morning, we could go through here, and you would share some amazing things that you've faced, and some amazing things that you're involved with right now, and some struggles that you're having, and we would look at you as humans and go, wow. And what I want you to catch this morning as we spend the remainder of our time together in the Word is that God's unshakable hope gives us the ability to realize that He's got this incredible plan for us. One of my favorite books, and we've used it a few years back, was Hope Quotient by Ray Johnston. And I want to share some some thoughts as we begin our time on hope. He says it this way, Some wise person once said that we can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but not a single second without hope. And then he gives this list that I love. He said, that's why the greatest gift leaders can give their people, hope. The greatest gift parents can give their children, hope. The greatest gift teachers can give their students, hope. And the greatest gift coaches can give their athletes, hope. He finishes this by saying, it's also why the greatest gift you can give your family is hope. The greatest gift you can give your friends, hope. The greatest gift you can give your neighbors, hope. The greatest gift you can give your coworkers, hope. That was weak. The truth is, the greatest gift you and I can give anyone is hope. Yeah, and sometimes we forget that. And as we, we go through life, we, uh, we realize that we don't know. Really, I looked up the, the meaning of hope in the dictionary. The Oxford Dictionary says this, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. 
And the Greek word elpis means trust and expectation. That's what I want us to go this morning. I love to live with hope. I love to wake up expecting to have a great day in the Lord. He fills our day with joy, challenges, strength, love, words, directions, the list goes on. One more thing from Hope Quotient. I like what he says about hope, so I grabbed this out of his book too. Four things hope does that nothing else can do. Hope liberates. Hope releases you from your past. Some of us this morning are sitting here struggling with things that have happened in our past. We've never been able to give it over to the Lord, and we are not released from it. And that's what hope does. It releases us from our past. Hope motivates. Hope helps you bounce back. What's the Old Testament full of? God of second chances. All these people we read about who made mistakes, who made major mistakes, and yet God came to them and said, hey, I will forgive you, and I will live through you, and I will bring you back up, and I will put you in a position of leadership. Hope initiates. Hope sets you free to dream. When's the last time you just sat and dreamt about what you think God wanted to do in you and through you? And how he wanted, he's got an amazing plan for you, and you begin to see your family, and you begin to dream about some of the things you want to do, and, and the way you hope your kids would turn out, and all these things, and you begin to pray about it. It sets us free to dream. And then the last one is hope activates. Hope is the fuel that makes the world a better place. So as we begin to see that, we realize that that hope makes a huge difference. It's how we look at things. You remember the story about the birthday party where there was an optimist and a a, a pessimist standing there, and it was for little kids, and they opened the garage door, and there was a huge pile of manure in the garage. And the pessimist said, wow, what a mess. And the little girl that was an optimist said, I know there's got to be a pony under there somewhere. (laughs) And sometimes that's what hope... Yeah, you remember that one. Sorry, I just thought that fit right here, but uh, I liked it. Hope gives us the ability to, to exist in life. For the next seven weeks... We're looking at unshakable hope, which is God. And our goal is to come alive in our walk with the Lord as we face each day's journey, which we call life. Here are seven things that we're going to look at in the next seven weeks. And I listed for them. You'll you'll see them. First of all, this morning we're going to talk about being stamped with God's image. This is all an unshakable hope. Your prayers have power is in the second week. The third week, God gives grace to the humble. And number four, God gets you through Jesus. Number five, Death has been defeated. Number six, there's no condemnation in Christ. And number seven, justice will prevail. Through prayer, we picked these seven out of a 12-week series that we think will be exciting for you and I to develop as we look at unshakable hope. You know, you can join a community group. You already heard Brian talk about it, and uh, it'd be fun to be able to work through it. The best place to start is how God's unshakable hope begins with how you and I were created. Two questions that I want you to answer this morning. The first one is, Have you made the decision to accept God's Son to receive His stamp, His image on your life? And number two, are you living like you are stamped in His image? Number one, this morning, we are created in God's image. We're created in His image, Genesis 1.27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created him. Modern psychology is wrong when it tells us to look inside ourselves to find our value. Magazines tell us we're only as good as how thin we are, how muscular we are, how clear-skinned we are, the right perfume or cologne we wear. Religious leaders go through a list of, they say, you have to grade your significance according to your church attendance, your self-discipline, or your spirituality. Max Lucado says this, according to the Bible, you are good simply because God made you in His image. Period. He cherishes you because you bear a resemblance. 
and you will only be satisfied when you engage in your role as an image bearer of God. I got to read that just one more time. And you will only be satisfied when you engage in your role as an image bearer of God. So some of us are sitting here this morning, and we've forgotten about the, the great responsibility and privilege and joy we have of being an image bearer of God. King David said, I go on in this quote, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. This is a challenging concept to grasp on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but I live in a world, and I'm influenced by this world, and I like to be accepted by this world. So I do certain things to make me fit into this world, and sometimes I know they're right, and sometimes I know they're wrong just because of the, what's going on inside me. I'm not so sure that, that God's hope is first and foremost in my life. We are created in God's image. This week, my nephew, who lives in Montana, which is now buried by 14 inches of snow this morning, uh, said to his two daughters when he realized that his wife and their youngest daughter were away on a trip, hey, it's school pictures. He said, I got this. He said, I'll take care of it. You know, we're going to get you ready. He, he, th- he thought, oh, man, I need my wife here. When, when she's not here, I'm in trouble. So they, they got up the morning of the school pictures, and as they were getting ready, his two, his two oldest are just precious little girls. And, and uh, his seven-year-old looked at him, and, and he said, you know what? We're gonna, I'm going to get your hair ready. And she looked at him and said, Dad, how can you get my hair ready? He goes, what do you mean? She goes, you're bald. <laughs> we're created in, and, I, and that's nothing against those of you who are bald, but we're created in God's image. He said he just stopped for a minute and thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard because she just looked at him realistically and said, you don't know what you're talking about. We are stamped with God's image, and as we, we have that ability, we were able to, to move forward. All of creation declares his glory is the second point under this. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Do you ever stop and wonder how amazing God's creation is? I love to observe and live in the world that we are in. I love to see what God has produced and what He's made. And I don't want to sound cheesy this morning. It's not like I, I'm just this... But I, I just love to see a sunrise or a sunset or a newborn baby or whatever. We'll get to that in a minute. Romans 1.20 says this, all of creation declares his glory. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. When's the last time somebody said to you or to me in a conversation about believing whether Christianity is real or not, well, what about the people who live in the the faraway land? How are they ever going to hear about God? And I love to bring them to Romans Romans 120 and say, since the earliest time, man has known of the existence of God. And it's a perfect segue into talking to them about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, our creator and our creation. Ten years ago when we were in Kenya, I I snapped this picture as we were driving just outside of Nairobi. And I'm fascinated with giraffes. And and here it is, just a, a field, and here's all these giraffes, and I'm thinking, this is God's creation. We're just driving along. The weirdest one was seeing an elephant, because we saw the elephant Man, 10, 15 miles away, it's just this big blob. And then we got closer and closer. Here was this huge elephant just standing there in, in somebody's field. It's God's creation. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. On your bulletin, you see a verse, two verses from Hebrews 11. It says, now, being, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
by faith, we need to understand and believe in God. Number two, we're commissioned to grow in His image. We are sanctified through God's Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Let me just unpack that for a minute because I like that phrase from a few years back. When that veil is lifted, sometimes we're not even aware of when that veil is lifted. That veil is sin and uncertainty and confusion and kind of a discouragement in our lives. And when we come to know, when you and I come to know Jesus in a personal way, He lifts that veil so that we have the ability to realize we are created in His image. We're more and more like Him. We are stamped with His image. How's that veil in your life today? Is it something that that dictates how you live and what you say and how you think and how you observe life? When he lifts that veil from us, we have the ability to realize we are commissioned to grow in his image. When we commit our lives to the Lord, that veil of sin and confusion is lifted, helping us see and reflect the glory of God. This also stems from being stamped with his image. We also find that we are significant in him. Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that fully well. Again, we understand what God's image means to us as we realize that we are blessed, forgiven, marked with a seal in Christ when we receive him. I got a movie to recommend. I know it's almost out of the the theaters, but we went to the movie Overcomer this this weekend. I know some of you have already seen it. Some of you thought you were okay with it. I loved it. And let me tell you why I loved it. Because in this movie, at one point, right in the middle of the movie, this high school girl, and I'm going to buy this movie. I'm going to show it to the church. I think it's great. Uh, somebody wanted me to show it on, on, on a Sunday morning. It's two hours long. That might be a little bit tough. But uh, she walks into a group of high schoolers, and she says this, I know who I am. And she'd been challenged after she'd accepted Jesus to read Ephesians. And she began to list, I am blessed, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven. And she goes through all of this list of her identity in Christ, who we are stamped in God's image with the relationship that we have with God's Son. It it was phenomenal. I I know it was a little weird, and I said in the first service, and I was sitting on the end of the, I was with my wife and uh, my brother-in-law and his wife, and hey, just real quietly, I I raised my hand right when she said that, because I felt like God was present right there sharing about, I know who I am. We are stamped in God's image. And because we're stamped in God's image, as you're going to see as we move along, he wants to do some things in and through us. I always love seeing the transformation that comes when we enter into a personal relationship with the Lord. Acts 17, 28 says this, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We live, we move, we have our being in him. That's our lives. As we understand we're stamped by his image, number three, we're changed to grow in our vision from God. We're changed to grow in our vision from God. We see ourselves differently as God's children. 1 John 1 or 3 says this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John builds his case here for us to live like we are children of God. Remember, we're stamped with God's image. We see others as made in God's image. 
So as we go through our lives, as crazy busy as we are, as involved as we are, as discouraged as we are, as challenged as we are, some of you raised your hands this morning just to say, God, would you take these burdens from my life? Realize that, that God changes our vision because we're stamped with his image to grow in that vision, to begin to see ourselves as children of God. And as we do that, it changes how we live and what we say and what we do and how we react. We see others as made in God's image. That's the next thing that he tells us. 1 Peter 1.22 says this, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And what he tells us today is it's important to see others as having been made in his image. Our vision is changed to grow as we learn to live for him, and it's rewarding, and it's fulfilling, and it's purposeful. Our fears don't allow us to do that. We see others as, as his image. We lived in Seattle for six years, and while we were there, uh, I had some conference responsibilities, and one time I was asked to go from Seattle to drive to the Oregon coast. And so as I, I got in the church van, which at that point, that, that, that life of that van was almost done, but I knew it was going to make it to the Oregon coast and back because we only had one car, and I wasn't sure that our car could make it to the coast and back, so I said, the van's going to make it. I'm sure you've never driven cars like that. So I jump in the van, and I'm, I'm zipping down there, and as I come home, I, I went through three days of meetings. I'm, I'm driving carefully up I-5. Actually, I'm flying up I-5. And the Lord kind of nudges me and said, hey, there's a noise that I don't think you recognize in this van. So I thought, ah, I got to get home. I got to direct the choir. I directed the choir in our little church. I got to get the choir practice. And so I said, okay, Lord, let me just pull over. By the time he got my attention, and I pulled over on the shoulder, my tire was completely flat. It was gone. And I realized I didn't have a, a wrench, a tire wrench, tire iron or whatever you call it, to get my, my tr- I had a great spare tire. wasn't going to do me much good without a way to get it off. I had a jack. Well, as I said to the first service, um, and this is going to surprise some of you, one thing we didn't have in those days, this is how old I am, no cell phones. We had no cell phones. We had nothing. So I'm sitting there on the side of the road, and I think, okay, Lord, uh, you're going to have to help me here because i got nothing right now. I'm not sure how far I have to walk. I don't know where I am. I'm by Shehala somewhere. And as I'm sitting there praying, this guy comes and pulls up next to me in a, a little minivan. He says, hey, I was driving home from work on the other side. And I said, oh, that's great. He said, I'm on my way to teach Awana at our church. And I thought, man, you're a busy guy. And he said, but the Lord just kind of nudged me to stop and help you. What do you need? I said, I need a tire iron. He said, don't have one in my van. He said, let's go to my house. So I jump in this guy's van and we drive off down I-5. We take it. Just as we're about to take the turn, there's a gal who's out of gas. And we're talking about how your image has changed so that you see the needs of others. This guy, without a stress in his life, without a, an uptight word, stopped and said, we got to help this lady. I'm thinking, no, we don't. i got to get the choir practice. <laughs> so we, we pull over. We help the lady. We get her gas. We take care of her. We go to his house. He gets the tire iron. He gives me some apples off their tree. I meet his family. Never once did he say to me, i got to get to Awana. Life is so scheduled. It's so crazy. He saw... God's image stamped in me as somebody that he was going to help. We drove back, helped me put the tire on. As I drove off, I said to myself, there's a guy who has a clear concept of what God wants to do in and through him. He's very busy. You could tell his family loved him, but he saw other people as stamped in the image of God, and he was willing to, to help them. My challenge to you this morning, as I think about this before we move on, is how often do you do that? Are you so busy? i got to be honest with you. There are certain times that I'm afraid when I see people on the side of the road because I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. But if I have somebody with me, I'll always stop. 
But I, I want you to, to, to begin to see that what God's saying to you and me this morning is this, that not only are we created in God's image and we're commissioned to grow in His image, we're changed to grow in our vision, but we have to see others as made in God's image. And that's kind of a challenge for us at, at times. Number four. Number four, we're connected to God's mission for us. We grow in our knowledge of God. John 17, 3 says this. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We grow as we're connected to God's mission for us. As we're stamped in his image, we begin to realize that there's this knowledge that we have of the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Why does that happen? Because John 8, 32 says this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And as we build in our lives, as we begin to see that we're stamped in God's image, He has this desire for us to grow. One of the biggest concerns, and if your child is a, is a senior in high school, I'm praying with you, is that when we send our kids off to the educational institutions in this day, that the truth that they proclaim to our young children with those minds is going to be anything but the truth that God wants them to proclaim. Because they've left out some very important facts about this life and where, where we live. That's not a slam on any teacher that I know. It's a big concern of mine for our educational system across America. Because until we get to the point where we realize that, that this is eternal life, that, you may know, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that's how, we be, that's how we live our lives. It's based on that stamp that we have in our lives of His image on us. As we grow in our knowledge and discover His truth, we will be set free from the burdens that weigh us down. I'm finishing a book by Andy Stanley called Enemies of the Heart. Andy Stanley is a great writer. He's out of Atlanta. He names four things that are enemies of the heart, and this morning as we're looking at unshakable hope and as we're looking at what God wants to do with, with us and in us, in us and through us, we realize that there are certain things that, that we still struggle with. He said that number one enemy is guilt. Aaron did a great job of guilting you parents into coming to the uh, parents' night on Wednesday. I was proud of him. That was good. We live with guilt. And as we struggle with it, it dictates what we do and, and where we are and how we live. And he said that's an enemy of the heart because we're stamped with God's image. And because we have that image from God, we don't have to struggle with guilt. Number two, the number two enemy, he said, is anger. We just live with anger. We're angry all the time. You can't believe this is happening to me. Nobody can tell me different. And so we walk around and we live through anger. Number three is greed. An enemy of the heart is greed. We obtain so many things. We obtain so many things. Man, try moving. Try moving twice within about two and a half years. You want to get rid of so much, can I say crap? So much stuff. It's just amazing the freeing experience my wife's laughing at because I still hung on to a bunch of stuff. Dear, we can't get rid of that. It's mine. John, you haven't used that for 15 years. No, it's mine. It's very important. Then there's this thing about greed, and we see what everybody else has. We just want more. We just want more. I want more and more. We, We collect, and we get greedy. That's an enemy of the heart. Lose hope. We lose that sight because of everything that's blocking our vision from what God wants us to do. The fourth one is jealousy. Jealousy. And he tells us, and he reminds us that 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 enemy of the heart takes away the ability to live on God's hope. We grow in making God known to others is the last point of that. We grow in our knowledge of God. We grow in making God known to others. I love Psalm 105. It says this. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. I share this with first service. Do you ever listen to you when somebody asks you how your life is doing, how, how your family's doing, 
how, what's going on. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? If you're honest with them, it'll show what's in your heart. And you'll begin to say things like, well, this isn't so good. If you're closer to them, you feel like you can be honest with them. And as you're honest with them, I start listening to what I'm saying. I'm going, man, what a bleak view or outlook on life. We are stamped with God's image in our life. And because we're stamped with God's image, we have a a great privilege. We have a great freedom to live for him. I asked you to answer two questions, and I want to come to those this morning. The first one is this, and you see it on the screen. Are you willing to embrace your role as God's image bearer? And let me tell you what I think that means today. I think it has two meanings. The first one is, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you ever had anybody ask you, do you want to know Jesus as your personal Savior? And at that point in life, you say to him, would you come into my heart and my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? And from this day forward, allow me to live for you in a way that gives me that freedom to base my life on unshakable hope. I want you to hear me say this this morning because I believe America is at a very interesting turning point. We've got a group of people that, that, uh, that believe that truth comes from how loud I speak what I believe. And so no matter what side I'm on, I'm going to speak loud, 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 and I'm going to overtalk you, and I'm going to overtalk you, and suddenly I'm going to feel good about my truth because I've said it so loud that everybody's going to believe me. I stand in front of you this morning to tell you again that because we're stamped with God's image, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the only way to make it. And so if you and I come across people who are very antagonistic towards the way Christians believe, then I want to I pray with you and share with you, just give them the love of Jesus so they can begin to experience that blessing and forgiveness and redemption and sealed with his mark and a life of hope and joy and peace and the ability to face challenges. Because I'm not telling you this morning that once you accept Jesus, all your problems take off. They're all gone. My wife will tell you the minute she married me, they just started. But I am telling you this morning that, that there's this chance to be able to say, Lord, it's that personal relationship that always makes the difference. So my, my, my question to you, that's the first part of it. Do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? Number two of you, have you been willing to say, hey, you know what, I've asked him into my heart. I'm willing to embrace that. The second question I have for you this morning is this, are you willing to reflect God to others? Are you willing to reflect God to others? I, I can't begin to tell you how... How cool it is when God puts you and I in the environment that he asks us to live in, our families first, our neighborhoods, where we work, and then he says to us, you're my image bearer. Would you share my love with the people around you that you meet every day? And you begin to see them drastically change as they come to know him in a personal way. Now, I just want you to know that I'm not telling you something today that is going to end up really difficult to do. I'm sharing with you today that as we understand who Jesus is in our lives, it becomes such a privilege and such a joy to see him at work. It's like when the truth sets us free, we begin to live for him. And I know there's things we hang on to. I know there's things that, that we are harboring in our hearts and in our lives that, that we, we felt like we've been really given a, a, an unfair circumstance to live through. And if I, if I had time today, I would begin to continue to remind you of the importance of that relationship that you have with God in your life because he has stamped you with his image. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior today? Are you willing to be his image bearer? And I call that second step discipleship. Are you willing to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a disciple for you, God, and I'm going to step out into the world, and it doesn't matter what I'm facing. I've had some great conversations in the last two or three weeks with people that, that I know and love who have said to me, man, our whole focus has been wrong. 
We've focused on the problems. We've focused on the things that take us down instead of remembering that God has blessed us in so many ways. So even just taking a piece of paper and listing those blessings has changed our focus. Sometimes it's fun for my wife and I just to do that very same thing, to just kind of go back and say, hey, this is how we see God at work. If you think you're here today, and with this I'll close and we'll have the worship team come up. If you think you're here today and there's no way that you could ever see God lifting you out of that rut you're in or that way of living, I want to share with you that an unshakable hope gives you and I the ability to realize we're stamped in His image. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for uh, who you are. Thanks for being present. Doesn't matter what's happening outside. You are here, and for that we're grateful. And right now, Holy Spirit, as we close, I just pray that you would kind of bring to our, our minds the things that you want to kind of work through with us again. You love to give us victory. You know who we are. Your word promises us that everything we face will not overwhelm us. We see loved ones that are close to us and we're concerned for them. And so this morning I pray for every family here today that, that's struggling with loved ones that have walked away from you or who are in the midst of very difficult decisions that they've made. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would bring people around them to guide them back to a, that saving knowledge of who they are and then allow them to be an image bearer for you. I pray for those who came in this morning who, who came discouraged because it just seems like so many things are happening that just don't seem to help just seem to, to burden us and take us down and I pray that you would lift those, that the truth would set us free, that we would be liberated from your hope and finally Lord would you show us this week again your hope as it's evident in our lives because we've got we just got lots of things going on, we've got family members that are gone, that are close, that are that are, are away right now, we just ask you to bless them in a very powerful way thanks Lord for your love, thank you for the truth of your word, it's in your name we pray